kind of accept that life is going to be unfair to you in various capacities. And all you can do is kind of adjust your reaction to things that happen to you. When you're ever handed a lemon, just turn it into a lemonade, basically. Once upon a time, there were tens of thousands of makers struggling. Every day they built for hours and hours but didn't ship and didn't earn enough income. One day, the No Code Wealth podcast came to help them find a way. Because of this, makers became founders and have clarity out of confusion. Because of this, founders can have the life they deserve. Clarity is what I'm really all about, and this journey has been full of ups and downs for me. Hello, my name is Abdulaziz, and from being a poor boy born to a single mother in North Africa with no money, no connections, only hard work, persistence, and even more hard work, to a European Ivy League business graduate and an expert on seven different psychological therapies with a great corporate job. Still, I've lost everything twice, but I refuse to give up. So now I'm rebuilding my life one more time, 1% a day. On this podcast, I'm privileged to interview hundreds of amazing people from members of the Forbes Technology Council, Google executives, Amazon, Microsoft, LinkedIn C-suite executives, to Fortune 100, to Financial Times reporters and people from Harvard University, Cambridge, Stanford, even from the Vatican Church, congressional candidates, and decorated veterans, or just beginners wishing to make a difference in this world, all are welcome here. And thank you all so much for the support. After all this hard work, this podcast is now ranking highly on Apple in the entrepreneurship category, top 200 in San Francisco, top 100 in Australia, top 100 in Singapore, top 60 in Germany, top 50 in Canada, top 50 in the United Kingdom, and top in many other places. This podcast is really about having clarity conversations, which is what I am known for. Clarity of where you are now, clarity on the right next step to take, clarity out of confusion and hesitation, and clarity of marketing whenever it's necessary. So let's begin. My guest today is Walid Nasser. From a bachelor's degree in computer science at the University of Engineering and Technology, Lahore, to a PhD candidate at the University of Michigan, to an MBA from Yale University. Walid Nasser is a board member and district vice president at Yale Science and Engineering Association and head of sales at Virtual Force Inc., where he manages a global team of more than 100 designers, engineers, growth hackers, and social media marketers. Walid, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited, happy, and ready. And I want to begin with this question. 
when it comes to your life trajectory and evolution, what seems to be the thought that you keep on thinking about often recently because it's something you need to change or an insight you had or something that just demands that you think about? Wow, that's a deep question, Abdulaziz. Um, you know, I've been on a sabbatical for the last year or so. Uh, I think COVID-19 was a pivotal moment in my life, personally and professionally. I left my day-to-day and really thought to myself, you know, this world is, is facing this threat and, you know, everybody is going into a lockdown. Um, what could I be doing differently? And that really transpired me to take a different trajectory and start focusing on COVID-19 uh, as my passion, uh, that where I wanted to make a difference and make a meaningful dent. And, you know, and it's because, you know, like in my personal and professional life, I, you know, that person, that um, that mission was was missing. You know, what, what are we here for, like in, in, in our life? Like, what are we meant to do? What are we meant to accomplish? So long story short, I started off with, a, with a building a, COVID-19 triage system for hospitals. Then I moved on to building a paycheck protection plan loan automation bot for small businesses who needed help at that time. We stand converted into a, like a, a full-blown loan forgiveness system. I'm really proud to say that that system has processed over $500 million worth of loans towards forgiveness. So that's uh, that was like um, a calling for me that I that I rose to and I and I really feel proud that I, I've done something beyond my own personal self for others. And if you ask me, uh, you know, my new calling in life is to really create value for others and achieve <clears throat> the greater good. Thank you. So if I heard you correctly, before COVID-19, you were immersed in your day-to-day and you felt that the mission part was missing. And whenever there was that period of quarantine or lockdown and you were isolated, you had time to reflect and think about your values and you understood that really it's time to rise to the occasion and to help the world that is suffering from COVID-19. And you created that system for triage for hospitals and that was the beginning. And then another system for loan forgiveness that was evolved into a loan forgiveness system that handled more than 500 million loans for small businesses. And now you keep on going because your mission is to add value to other people, correct? That is correct. What is the meaning of value? That's a great question. Um, You know, value is always relative from the perspective of the receiver. <clears throat> and to kind of elaborate and uh, uh, to that point, um, creating value does, does not need to come at a cost to your own personal self. Um, and creating value can come from different types of, of, um, um, of activities as well. Just to give you an example, uh, I, I used to introduce startups to investors uh, quite a bit because I had a Rolodex uh, built up in, in, in that regard and um, just paying forward and you know having that attitude to help people out with whatever they're seeking 
um, and kind of acting as that missing link of sort uh, between you know, whoever needs the help and whoever can help uh, seem to do the magic. So that, that, that I consider as value. So, you know, bringing a net positive <clears throat> change in someone's life in an organization or collectively as a community. Thank you. So if I understood you correctly, it's relative. The definition of value is whatever that person is seeking or needing. And adding value to others doesn't need to be a cost or a net cost to ourselves. For example, you introducing the founders to investors or whoever in your Rolodex, it doesn't cost you anything, but it adds goodwill to you, to them, to everyone involved, as well as actual help in that new relationship. Did I understand you right? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. What did you learn throughout your life about how to build the Rolodex that you have built? So I, I was initially the chief technology officer at the company that I, I was working at, Virtual Force. And I found myself to be, uh, you know, getting involved into these client meetings all the time, doing discovery sessions, scoping out uh, their needs and uh, assembling teams and, and, you know, helping with the delivery. Um, so I, I, I realized that, uh, like, you know, I was essentially doing sales, um, but being an engineer, I, I, I hated, you know, cold calling people. I hated the, the prospecting side of, uh, of sales. So I, I, I devised a mechanism where I would just continue to create social equity, uh, goodwill, as you, as you put it, um, for others uh, in hopes that when the timing is right, when the need is there, when the budgets are available, when the person has the authority to make the, make the decision, they would, they would recognize me as, as their technology partner and, and, and work with me. Uh, it took me... Um, much longer to create that kind of effect and and you know generate uh, momentum for myself and then the organization but i'm glad because you know that was much more fulfilling because people coming to you for help is is, is always a better feeling than you knocking on the doors and and you know often getting rejected because you know the timing or something else is just off uh, in those scenarios thank you so if I understood you in the right way, you are an engineer and then you were put in a position where you were a salesman basically prospecting. And that was uh, yeah. like one of the salesmen said, uh, facing a daily ocean of rejection mm -hmm. and you didn't like it. And therefore you thought what could be a better way and the better way is to build a snowball of adding value and momentum so that the people that you have helped when they are in the right position and time to seek further help from your company will come to you when they're ready rather than you having to go chase down people or whatever. And therefore, your focus is on helping add in value first and then and trusting the process then that things will come back when the timing is right correct that is that is absolutely correct thank you and one issue that a lot of thinkers about this would be debating about is should you add value to everyone which is noble but 
all, we all have limited resources? Or how do you prioritize relationships? Because the problem is you don't know where anything in the future will come from. It can come from the most unexpected places, but to spread yourself thin when helping people and building a network can also have very serious adverse effects to your timing, to your mental health, to your resources, to your scheduling. And therefore, how do you know which relationships are the ones with the highest potential in order to invest more and more in compared to the others? Or as you think, the Pareto principle will say, well, anyway, 20% of your relationships will give you 80% of the mm -hmm. ROI. So do you have a way to predetermine this? Um, do, I have to, do I have a way to predetermine this? Uh, no. But I do spend a lot of time really thinking how I could add value personally to others. And uh, obviously, we, we, we're all limited in, in, in our time and resources. And there's only you know, 24, hour, 24 hours in a day. And so like really focusing on how you could be valuable to others and, and just honing in on those and getting really good at it, um, I think is the way to go. As far as evaluating which relationships would bear fruit, I think that, you know, the, the Pareto principle obviously applies, but also uh, the, the mindset needs to be not wanting to get anything in return and just having this pay for, paying forward attitude, just like you would show somebody direction on the street, um, you know, just because, you know, it's like a human to human interaction and you're just... Uh, there at that, at that time and you you know you did you did uh, a net positive uh, impact uh, at that very instant i think that, that's that's what like really matters so without really um ho anticipating anything in return just helping people out of good goodwill is is a sure short way of the universe eventually kind of paying you back um it, it's hard to time when um but I've, I've seen that kind of come through uh, in, in in my in my career Thank you. And what gives you this belief that the universe will bring it back in return and therefore to act out of goodwill towards all and malice towards none is the right way? Because enough people have been jaded or they expect something which could be reasonable if they're, they don't believe in what they cannot see or understand. And therefore, that makes them think, the world is full of takers rather than people who are kind and giving. So what belief do you have or story or experience or role model mentor who told you something that put into you this trust in the process that is almost elevated to the level of faith? Um, I think it was, it was a course I took with, uh, with a professor, um, Zoe Chance at Yale University on mastering influence and persuasion. And one of the readings there was uh, Robert Cardini's uh, Principles of Influence and then Persuasion. Uh, and, you know, it's like five principles. Uh, I'm, I'm forgetting like, you know, all, all five, but um, yeah, it's, one of them is like social proof, being available asking you know when when you need to ask for help like not being afraid of asking 
um, and uh, you know uh, being available and so on. So and so we did a number of exercises there uh, during the course, and uh, I literally saw uh, those those social experiments kind of uh, bearing results that that you would think are counterintuitive otherwise. Um, and then putting the, those principles to practice and uh, uh, and then seeing those those uh, results firsthand in the business world um, yeah I think I, if I were to tie where that stems from it would be Robert Car- Caldini's uh, book called, called uh, principles of uh, influence and persuasion thank you yes you mean reciprocity that's yes the, uh, exactly exactly yep, the yep. one from him and then to ask you a bit more about your story you had a journey from lahore to uh, yale how did it go and do you feel that it was in some ways destiny that it wasn't really all planned but some good lucky events or goodwill returning back or whatever that created this journey uh, absolutely it's i think it's a combination of both um you know you can only try so much but and then and then life happens to you as well um uh, sometimes li- life gets uh, i mean you get lucky as well uh, and sometimes you're unlucky um i was stuck in a in a really bad immigration mess uh, even after graduating from yale um and and that and that and but like being in that situation really helped me kind of build resilience and and kind of accept that life is going to be unfair to you uh, at at various in you know at, uh, in various capacities and all you can do is kind of adjust your reaction to things that happen to you when you're ever handed a lemon just turn it into a lemonade basically um, so all experiences good or bad. Uh, are meant to make you a better person or at least that's the way you should look at it and that's how i've uh, i've kind of shared my perspective um since then thank you so if i understood what you said it's life of course is full of ups and downs and good luck and bad luck and that what happens in life it doesn't happen to us but it happens for us in order to become stronger more resilient better people and to build character and after graduating from Yale you still were involved in an immigration mess and it was stressful and hard but also it built you up and it built your character and resilience and therefore it's not about being frustrated at what happens it's about changing our attitude so that our mindset is a mindset that is empowering rather than depressing. Did I get that right? Absolutely. Thank you. And when it comes to founders or entrepreneurs, you seem to have an affinity to them that is somewhat special. What do you see in them that makes you want to help them this much? Well, I mean, founders is a, is a is a unique category, as as we all know. I mean, its founders' journey is full of risks. Uh, the stakes are high. Uh, you make one bad call, one bad decision, and you know the whole thing burns to the ground. You make a bad hire, you run out of your runway, and and you know the venture fails. 
So, um, so that, that's that's part of it. And but the other side, on the other hand, you know, founders are are typically working on novel ideas, trying to you know create solutions that didn't exist uh, to problems that are uh, you know imminent or or important. And uh, like this, like in terms of like if you want to like measure the kind of impact a founder is making versus somebody at at a large enterprise uh, you you clearly see uh, you know the difference in terms of um, um, the the overall magnitude of, of of and scale of impact a startup can create disrupting entire industries and whatnot so uh, and I've been a, an entrepreneur myself, and uh, what I realized was I was really good at building and designing stuff. And and I thought to myself, you know, if I were, the, the, there are a lot of people out there who are subject matter experts and domain experts in in their own way, and um, uh, they may not have the necessary uh, chops or or the skill set to to make that idea reality. So uh, an ideal synergy would be, you know, somebody's idea that that stemmed from what they have experienced as a problem, have, you know, market evidence, have, you know, connections to the ecosystem to, to make things work. And it's just a matter of taking it off the ground and making it a, a reality. So um, I just found my skill set to be uniquely applicable uh, to early stage companies where who were in, you know, looking for help to get their ideas off the ground. Thank you. And you spoke about that critical or really essential thing of not making bad calls because they can ruin everything at such a high stakes environment, such as entrepreneurship. What did you learn maybe about decision making that could help any founder listening reduce their bad calls? Oh, <laughs> I could go on and on. I even give workshops. Uh, the, name, the name of the workshop is called Mistakes Founders Make um, when, when Building Their, their Technology Companies. Um, but what, you know, the number one on my, on, 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 that I've seen uh, that's usually on my list is trying to build or launch the perfect product from day one not a good idea not going to happen that's just not how product life cycles work uh, you really have to be agile and you know run uh, quick experiments quick sprints uh, you know continue evolving your, your value hypothesis like you know what what problem you're trying to solve how much evidence is out there and also your growth hypothesis, like really refining how this is this could be applied to um, to potentially thousands of users and so on, uh, and and then and it's running experiments, um, iterating um, uh, like continuously. That is the only way to to kind of create a product that would eventually get to a product market fit. What I have seen is that people like founders just bog down to. Like they just want to build a perfect product from day one, and that really drags them down. Spend uh, immense amount of resources on on getting those those things right, only to get disappointed because when you launch, you realize that the market reality is different, and then you have to go back and, and redo and rework thing, uh, you know, things. So that that's the number one. 
the other thing I've seen is like a lot of founders just like uh, depending on what what stage founders you're talking about here, but like you know people just get stuck at at the idea stage for most of for the most part, and being just taking the leap sometimes is is all uh, that that you need to do and have that having that confidence that it's okay to fail forward because you took an initiative even if it didn't go anywhere uh, you you at the least you know you you'll end up learning something from from that um, and also I've you know seen that um, even as as a founder as, as myself um, the, the ideas that I I was working on like ten years ago. Uh, were way less mature than than how I approach things uh, today. So uh, the, if you are a first-time founder, uh, chances are that you would probably be working on something else 10 years down the road anyway. I mean, look at Elon Musk, look at Jeff Bezos, you know, it started out with something different and then look at where they are right now. So... Um, you don't necessarily need to get stuck with with one thing for the rest of your life, and um, the, the the goal should be to create value uh, for, for for whatever problem you're trying to solve. Thank you. And what are your thoughts about marketing when it comes to startups? Some people, you know, they take a logical route to marketing and don't really. Um, understand that it's about emotions that whether B2B or B2C, a lot of it needs some emotional element of understanding the emotional impact that the solution will give. But also some people go other extremes and they become somewhat of uh, uh, those marketing scammers or I don't know how to explain it where they're just pushing buttons all the way and I don't uh, and what are your thoughts about this when it comes to marketing what could be missing in the understanding of founders and how much to push that emotional uh, element when it comes to marketing to which extreme or to go all the way as long as you're helping people and adding value because Sometimes that could be somewhat of an ethical dilemma of reining it in, but then someone else coming and being like maybe doom and gloom or uh, whatever it is that they might get more than you, although their product is less because the marketing can beat a good product. It's uh, often that way. What are your thoughts about this? Yeah, you know, like you know, in in my uh, domain, you know, I, I call uh, another mistake that founders make. You know, I call it inside out thinking, where they'd be like, you'd be sitting in a room and you come up with an idea, and you're like, oh, this is the best idea in the whole world, and you're just like passionate about it, and you just like go straight into like building and and even marketing it. Um, you know, the outside in approach is well, keep, keeping your emotions and your opinions, your own personal opinions out of the equation and really make the end user or the end customer the center of the of the universe and then work backwards. So starting with the customer first, whether it be building a technology company, building a brand, building a brick and mortar, uh, you know, is 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 you know what what I always recommend people and this is one of those like bad calls that people make where um the, the just the fact that they think that you know they, they can be better or they can be different or 
um, uh, their own personal per- perception interfere with the reality uh, uh, quite so often, and and that usually results into a downward spiral and kind of running the venture down the ground. Thank you. And when you mentioned that founders should not really put their emotions and opinions and feelings to the forefront and focus on the clients. Well, I have to ask you exactly what you mean when it comes to this question. Should people follow their passion or follow the money? Should people follow their passion or the money? Uh, um, So I I, I guess the (laughs) question could be, should people make their passion to make money? I, I don't think so, because having money is eventually not going to make you happy. What would make you happy is what you really should explore first. And, and that, if that uh, come, you know, comes out to be like you know, having more money in your bank account, that's perfectly okay. You know, um, I, I pursued higher studies because I was passionate about education and um, and you know, took pride in in being more qualified and and scholastic, uh, uh, and you know, and getting the, that like hi- higher intellectual, um, you know, maturity. So it, it really depends. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> obviously, money is the not the end goal, and um, uh, if you're passionate about something more, uh. Like that's like driven on uh, towards social impact or you know, helping others or creating value for for others, uh, you you definitely be much more satisfied as as you kind of achieve those those goals. Thank you, yeah. but this creates uh, a dilemma, a double bind that makes your other advice too almost impossible, which is that don't try to make the perfect product or business model because you'll end up doing something totally different and trying hypotheses and going with what works. Well, if people are passionate about something, often they know what they're passionate about and therefore it's inside out. And therefore the opposite of that outside in is opposite of, of passion. You know what I mean? And therefore yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I agree two with different you. ideas will make people in a way get stuck where they're like moving and not moving at the same time but there is no easy answer to any of this let me let me explain to you with an example so um uh so you uh, because you have for everything there is a process you need it's all about the process it's uh, yes it's about the passion but you need to take a structured process towards doing anything meaningful and achieving um meaningful outcomes so when the uh identifying like a product, like creating a product roadmap, for example, I always insist founders to, and, that, and I will elaborate the difference between passion and impact and, and other things, that I always recommend them to rank their product roadmap with, against three metrics. Number one, market evidence. I mean, you're building something for uh, to be used by somebody, right? Um, why not directly get their thoughts and opinions like firsthand, if possible, secondhand, otherwise, right? But measure your own product roadmap against the market evidence that you've collected uh, uh, and, and use that as, as a relative priority met- metrics in your roadmap. So you still can um, uh, do other things, but 
having that as as a guideline in terms of what you should do first and what should probably wait uh, for later uh, is 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 the number one thing I recommend. Second, business impact, right? So, uh, what kind of value could something create uh, for somebody? And and try to I mean there are there are really important features, critical features. They're really uh, they're like nice to haves. They're must haves. So being able to kind of qualify your 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 plan uh, from a relative importance for, uh, as as a business is, is 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 an absolute necessity. And third, we all have limited resources, right? Everything, every decision you take has 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 a cost. So if you if this if something that would take you a year to build and um, and you know deplete all your resources, uh, would you still want to continue down that road, or would you rather divide it into more uh, digestible chunks and roll out something in a piecemeal manner so that you at least kind of cre- still creating value and and not burning through your uh, your your resources. So the cost is is a third matrix that that I recommend them keep in mind. And then they can create they can balance these three attributes however they feel like, right? As a founder, uh, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a human uh, running a business. Uh, you, you cannot just operationalize or like make it run like a machine end to end. So uh, they can always create their own like um, criteria. You know, it could be contracts. It could be their own passion that they're they're they're, they're feeling you know uh, strongly towards. That that's perfectly okay. But not letting your own judgment, your own passion, kind of cloud your judgment and make bad calls is basically the way uh, to kind of move forward as far as you know uh, rolling out platforms is concerned. Thank you. That's very wise. And to ask you about why you said yes, your skills, your abilities are uniquely suited for founders and entrepreneurs. But at the same time, the failure rate in entrepreneurship is so high that a lot of people will say, that's why go after or work with established businesses or Fortune 500 or Fortune 1000 or whatever, rather than going after people or entrepreneurs who often are bootstrapped and therefore they don't really have the same ability to pay for your services in the same way. So was focusing on entrepreneurs a strategic and a way decision where you found your strength and the opportunities and you felt they're best suited and that the right um, company or the right startup will pay you well or uh, maybe you don't like working with bigger companies or what was that coming from like do you recognize or believe as such as people would say that working with corporations will add more to your business than working with entrepreneurs or you think it's totally wrong and why did you choose entrepreneurs Uh, you know that's a great question and something that i've personally struggled with as well uh there is a very high um uh, risk associated with working with early stage companies and that quite frankly that that has been my biggest struggle um but the rewards are there too uh of the ones that do become successful they become so successful and grow so rapidly 
that they covered the rest of the costs and and uh, the um, the the downside, if you will, uh, that you experience from from failing in other ventures. Um, there is no right and wrong way, uh, in, in my opinion. Um, it's just that I happen to be uh, very entrepreneur minded, and uh, I just thought that in order. I mean, I like I personally haven't found anything that I would want to uh, pick up as uh, um, as my sole focus for the next you know five ten years. Um, so I was like, okay, well, what is the next best scenario for me? And it, it came down to just like you know collaborating, coming in as a tech co-founder with other. Uh, startups and and kind of you know and making your uh, your your bets. Um, the, the corporates have are a different beast, and you can definitely go after corporates too. And um, and it can be a hybrid approach. So working with entrepreneurs, you can slowly transcend uh, towards building with larger enterprises and 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 kind of grow business that way. It's just a great way to quickly build. Uh, your portfolio because uh, early stage companies are diverse, very diverse in their use cases and uh, usually novel in terms of their um, their approach and their their mindset. So uh, definitely great way to kind of build a, um, a, a, a diverse portfolio uh, quickly, uh, and then you can move up the value chain um, and start working with with like larger corporates. Thank you. So it's an example of you following your passion, but in a structured way, because yes, I understand that if your spirit is entrepreneurial and you speak to people from corporations, that you won't resonate. And that's something important because yes, the world is about numbers and proposals in a way, but also not at all, because if they don't feel you understand them because your soul or your spirit or your mindset doesn't resonate, but it's more suited for entrepreneurs, then it's like you're trying to play chess uh, in a place where everyone is playing checkers. It's not, you're just in the wrong place and you can be best suited for something else. I don't know what is your comment on this, as well as I'm sure many people are curious about your business, what you do, um, share all the information about it, as well as where can people go to find out more about you and about what you do? Sure, sure. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm a hands-on engineer. I'm, I'm a jack of many trades. I'm a hands-on engineer, a marketer, uh, and, 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 and a business-minded uh, uh, um, uh, like thought leader. And I have a special eye for talent. Um, over the last several years, I've um, I've built a team of about hundred plus, um, uh, you know, across the globe, uh, involving product designers, uh, growth hackers, uh, you know, full stack software engineers, uh, even uh, you know, device and IoT engineers. So it really depends on on the use case that we're um, we're looking at. But the way I've really um, um, like grown and benefited uh, others and benefit benefit from others is really taking a co-founder uh, mindset where I've gotten involved with a number of startups uh, in equity partnerships, in revenue revenue share partnerships, and in other cases just like pure uh, you know resource augmentation, um, and that has um, I've, I've launched over hundred plus uh, ventures so far. Uh, some of them are now at Series B stage. Uh, some of them don't exist anymore. 
but that is okay. Uh, and and that's what I like doing, and that's what keeps me up. Uh, you know, uh, it gets me going in the morning uh, and stay excited. I get bored very, you know, very very soon. So uh, working with startups is a great way to you know, keep life interesting too. <laughs> Thank you. I understand exactly what you mean. It was honestly a privilege, a pleasure. And if some people they're looking for life mission, like we began and opened with, what would be your recommended procedure or or systematized process? that someone could try in order to figure it out and get some idea, hints, or answers about it? Um, I, I, I mean, I mentor startups at so different accelerators and venture capital firms. Just, just you know, give me a shoot, uh, shoot out and I will be more than happy to kind of help you um, kind of think through those problems and, uh, and kind of navigate you know, how, how to kind of get to, get to the finish line. Thank you so much, Walid. It was an honor, a privilege, and a pleasure. And I wish you a great day. Thank you so much for having me, Abdulaziz. Mm-hmm.